Welcome to another episode of the Just a Giants Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Victor Perez, recording episode 49 on January the 11th, 2022. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, You're listening. I'm recording this maybe two hours after it was announced that uh, Joe Judge will no longer be the head coach of the New York Giants. And I got to say, I'm probably in the minority. Uh, I'm definitely in the minority on on my feelings on this. Like, don't don't get me wrong, and I guess we'll just jump right into it. Um, I'm also going to touch briefly on the GM search and where we are with that. Uh, But for now, you know, my thoughts on the Joe Judge getting fired situation. Uh, It's one of those things where it's upsetting to see a guy get so royally screwed. Uh, and don't get me wrong, you know, so, uh, plenty of things that, that have happened, uh, under Joe Judge's leadership that are hundred percent on him, right? The, the crappy, uh, awareness in games, uh, bad play calling. He's got full ownership to override that shit. Um, some of the offensive game plans, uh, all that falls on him. You know, irritating the fan base with at his press conferences. Not not because he says anything that's irritating. It's because it, it, what he says make make makes most people feel like, well, what the fuck are you? Were you watching? What game did you attend today? So I get all that. Like, and, and that's not to say that he was was not without fault. I mean, he's a new guy. You know, obviously there are going to be issues. You know, you don't want them, but there were. To me, he got royally screwed uh, several fronts, you know, uh, being stuck with Jason Garrett. I don't think anybody has any illusions that he got saddled with Jason Garrett as his offensive coordinator. Uh, A shit playbook because of that. It feels like ages ago, but let's not forget that Jason Garrett got fired halfway through this season. Uh, Getting screwed with an injury to his quarterback. You know, uh, having limited uh, ability on offense. Really, the failure, everybody on offense, if they like Joe Judge, has to feel like a complete shithead right now because a good chunk of this is on them. Him getting fired today is on this offense, as well as Dave Gettleman in the front office. But that's why, you know, they're on their way out if they haven't left the building already. But it's because of that. Because if we had been more competitive in games, if guys had executed and started playing better earlier while DJ was still healthy, if this playbook wasn't trash, if if we were able to score 21 points a game, Joe Judge would still be the head coach today. And I got to believe it, it's, it's, it's weird, right? Because it, it seems like it doesn't work in this organization, when people attempt to trust other people to do their jobs, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Gettleman, uh, some of his really bad free agent signings have been requests from the coaches. You saw it under the Pat Shermer area, or era when, you know, some of the Antoine Bethay, uh, Marcus Golden, which actually was a good signing, uh, uh, what the fuck is his name? The other linebacker, the, the one that never did anything. Um, oh, I forget his name. I've I've repressed that. Uh, some of those signings you see, like Blake Martinez, who is a good signing, was wanted by by uh, Patrick Graham. Uh, you see Kyle Rudolph, 
you know, that type of player that was obviously a Joe Judge, Jason Garrett signing. Trusting other people to know what kind of player works in their system did not work out for Dave Gettleman. And Joe Judge trusting his offensive staff to be able to put together a playbook and be able to call plays and be able to put the, their offense in positions to win did not work out for him. Simple and easy. Because it wasn't the defense that fucked him. And to an extent, it wasn't special teams, although he did try to outsmart himself at times with special teams. You know, but then again, you get a special teams head coach. Like, he's got a particular sensitivity and, and uh, propensity for that. You know, he's going to be very aware of, like, hey, we need to get more room on this punt. Would I have done a quarterback sneak? No. But at the same time, he's going to want to get, he's going to know we only need two more yards. Quarterback sneak will probably get you two yards. So let's just run that. That's the surest thing to get there. And he outsmarts himself because he ends up looking like a fucking idiot. You know, I, I know most I know most fans, the biggest irritation that they have with him was basically anything he said during a press conference. Not not just the one where he went off for 11 minutes, but just in general. Well, I thought we did some good things. You know, I have to review the tape. Um, you know, we are executing some things and not executing others. And you look at it and it's like, well, you guys scored nine points. You did three kicks. What are you talking about? We executed some things. And the reason for that is because he does not throw people under the bus in public. That's why he was, that's why it never bothered me, the shit that he said in, in, in press conferences. And honestly, that's why I didn't watch half of them. Because I know I'm going to get what, what I'm going to get in those press conferences is Joe Judge standing up there saying a bunch of shit, knowing full well that he's going to catch flack for it, but he doesn't want to put his coaches... Uh, uh, up as a sacrifice. He doesn't want to do it with his players. They'll do it themselves. And and he just does not want to air the business out in front of the public. And that's that's why you had that, that what fucking game were you watching attitude. You know, that's why you got those kinds of responses like, oh, Jesus Christ, you said we did some things well. We got slaughtered out there. And it's because he's a, a player's coach in an atypical way, if that makes sense. He, he, that's why, yeah, like, I got to believe that like, that report where some of the players are fed up with him. I got to believe those are players who are, who were fed up that once Jason Garrett left, major changes weren't made to the playbook. I got to believe that it's it's guys on the practice squad like it usually is. Usually when you hear those things, you know, oh, there's unrest in the locker room, it's because it's guys on the on the practice squad that are bitching. You know, or guys on the lower end of the of the roster that are complaining. Uh I, I got to believe those reports are full of shit or at least it's the that's a relative minority of the locker room because we would have had leaks by now. Like, I, I get it, the press isn't in the locker room because, you know, COVID protocols this year. But still, guys know who who people are in the press corps. Guys know who who whose number, you know, it is texting them like, hey, you know, how did you feel about this off the record, on the record, whatever the fuck. You know, like, guys know that. So for whisperings to come up week 17 just before a game, 
to me, that kind of sounds like, again, somebody who might not be here next year, might be a, a you know, cap casualty person just airing frustrations, might be, uh, it, it, shit, it might be the mayor is, you know, putting things out there. Uh, just just to kind of start the ball rolling on what ultimately happened today, which was Joe Judge getting fired. And when you have, again, offensive staff that aren't getting it done, when you have a roster that is shallow because your GM uh, uh, is incompetent and his assistants are incompetent and the fucking scouting department is incompetent and the guy negotiating contracts, Kevin Abrams, is fucking you out of money, you know, all in one year. It's 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 insane how railroaded Joe Judge got, and it's off putting. And I guess that's why it's frustrating because I'm not surprised he got fired today. Don't get me wrong, I'm not surprised by any means. It it, it was probably going to happen. Whether it happened now or after the new GM was hired, it, it was probably going to happen. But the manner in which it's happened is frustrating. And the promises that were made, not just by judge, but specifically by ownership, where it's, where, uh, to paraphrase, we are looking at the long-term, uh, uh, the long-term uh, benefit of this club of our fans. Long-term, we believe that Joe Judge, long-term, has the vision and has a plan, long-term, to turn this franchise around. And they gave him two years. The mayors are a bunch of fucking pussies. They let their, their front office get filled by people who said, just trust me, bro. And then now they see that the fan base, that for the most part, is already fed up with Judge, and they're not toughing it out. And they didn't tough it out. And empty parking lots and empty seats and the seats that are filled being filled by the other team, that says a lot, sends a huge uh, uh, message to ownership. But like, if, if, if you like this guy's plan two years ago and he has not changed his tune and he hasn't shown that, like, listen, you know... It, we're going to keep calm and keep moving forward and keep trying to get better every day. And then you have all this other dysfunction that's going on in the club. And you fire the one guy that seems to, despite the, the product on the field, which is ultimately what matters, but seems to, in every other aspect, seems to have it together. He seems to ha- have his locker room together. He seems to have, he, he doesn't, he has not changed who he was from day one. So if you liked him on day one, you knew it was going to be rough, and you committed to getting through the rough part because at the end of the day, in a couple, you know, three, four, five years, we should be good. Like, why the fuck are you pussying out now? And I know I, the obvious thing is, well, a new GM comes in, is going to want his new a, a new coach, and I don't know how I feel about that because a big part of me seems to think that, well, uh, I, I know GMs, the, the reason why GMs like to bring their own coach in is because they don't want to work with an incumbent coach that is impossible to deal with. An incumbent coach who's been there a few years, thinks he's hot shit, you know, throws his weight around, 
uh, is hard to work with. They don't want any of that. And from what I can tell, which is honestly not much, Joe, Joe Judge doesn't seem like one of those guys. If you're all on the same page about getting to where you need to get to, which is we're going to fill this roster with good players, and we're going to leave it on the coaches to figure out the best way to use those players, what the fuck is the problem then? You would think, you would like to walk into one of those situations, I would think anyway, you would want to walk into those situations with an incumbent head coach like that, because at worst, if it's not working out, having a head coach who you can let every, having a head coach already there buys you at least another year as a GM. Because the general conception is always, well, it's not his guy, so let him pick his guy, you know, let him pick his head coach, and then it should get better. That buys you more time to be able to do your job. And with a fan base as impatient as the New York Giants fan base, like, you kind of, I would think you would want that kind of extra rope. I would think so anyway. And then, again, it's just frustrating to see somebody get railroaded. I'm not surprised was that, have I been happy this year with the product that's on the field? Fuck no. I couldn't even watch the Chicago game. The second we got up, or we were down 14-0 way early in the first quarter, I turned the fucking game off. I couldn't watch it. It was just, I was not having a good day by that point. And, and that's 10 o'clock in the morning here, folks. I'm in Vegas. Remember that. By 10, by 10.15, I was like, fuck this shit. I'm going to go play with my kids. Like, I get it. The product on the field wasn't what you wanted, but there are so many other things that were wrong here. It's it's like working in... It's being the FedEx guy who delivers your package and the uh, uh, shipper didn't ship something on time and you get yelled at for it being late. Or, or fucking the previous driver. Me, I've had multiple Amazon packages end up in Navajo Nation in the next state over in Arizona because some dick over in, in Phoenix put it on the wrong truck. Am I going to go yell at my delivery, my local delivery guy for that? No, it's not his fault. I know when my packages get here. But at the same time, too, it's like, well, if UPS is, or FedEx is fucking up in general... I'm not going to use them. I'm going to use UPS. So I, I get it. And that's, wow, that was definitely a Colin Cowherd euphemism right there. But you guys understand what I'm saying, right? Like, again, not surprised, kind of disappointed, very frustrated to see somebody get screwed over that way. It's that simple. I have no idea who the new new head, next head coach is, honestly. Uh, I think, although if I could put a name out early, uh, I think anybody that can work with Brian Flores and actually work with him, he would probably be a good, my my best candidate. Any coach who has a quarterback that gets injured all the time with a roster that gets injured all the time, uh, that doesn't seem to have its shit together sometimes on offense and can go one and seven and then finish out the year, what, eight and one? No, not that. Um, yeah, no, I think like eight and one. They won something like seven or eight of the last eight or nine games. Like, it's insane. Like, you hire that guy. That's good coaching. That's that's somebody getting their shit together. You know what I mean? I would take him. But the problem in Miami, to be clear, was that he didn't get along with the GM, 
and the GM is a long-term friend of the owner, and when you got to pick between your friend and this guy that everybody has in in your that your friend has a hard time getting along with, you got to pick between the two. You're gonna pick your friend because Miami runs their organization with friends, like New York, like the Giants run their organization with family. Spite your face just because nepotism. Like I don't know. Anyway, that's it for that's it on Joe Judge. That's all I'm gonna say. Good luck to you, Joe. You're gonna be a good head coach somewhere. Uh, I know you're not listening, but he is going to be a good coach somewhere. He's just got to get into a situation where his bet isn't already shit in. And uh, I'm going to take a quick break, and when I come back, let's talk about the GM search. See you soon. And we're back. Before we move on to the GM search, uh, I, I forget if I said this prior to the break, uh, but I, if I did, I want to reiterate. You guys are going to hear stories coming out of the Giants front office uh, about head coach, uh, former head coach Joe Judge. Uh, it, this happens every time someone gets fired, right? Stories leak. Uh, you know, he uh, didn't get along with the kitchen staff, uh, or you know, he once kicked a dog, or treated the players like shit. They're all anonymous. I would treat it like you should be treating your political news in that you need to look at the full breadth of scope. You need to consider your source. You need to consider whether or not the uh, source is anonymous or not and weigh that against uh, try and formulate some kind of context around that. What I mean by that is compare Joe Judge and uh, uh, Coach Flores, former Coach Flores down in Miami, uh, for a second. Coach Flores had a couple of stories break before he got fired during you know during the season over the last year or two about how he didn't want to attack a Viloa. Um, he had issues with reporters reporting that a potential lineman might come in, that he was hard to deal with for the front office, that, you know, things like that. And then a story breaks yesterday, I forget who, who it's by, that adds a little more context to a little more detail to it. And you see more of those reports. And for the most part, people have considered the fact that he didn't get along with the front office as a main reason why he was fired. You haven't heard a fucking thing about that <laughs> from Joe Judge. You know, you have not. That's one of the things that I liked about Judge's tenure as a coach, right? We didn't have the fucking leaks. We didn't have stories coming out. Joe Judge is an asshole. Joe Judge is this. Joe Judge is that. Most of when you heard things like that were people at the national level, you know, with a TV show or a radio show who doesn't work a local beat, who will see the running laps thing, will see the way he, you know, hear how he runs practices, the whole people retiring during training camp, which is actually a fairly regular thing, uh, inferring and speculating that he must be an asshole because of that, plus he's a former Patriots coach. So be very, very careful about where your mind goes when you start to hear these stories over the next couple of days, maybe even weeks. I wouldn't be surprised to see some story that said, oh, he wanted to be the GM, you know, or he didn't get along with this person in operations or this, that, and the other. 
Because the, the GM thing, for instance, right? Uh, we seem to think that Joe Judge had a meeting with John Mara and then had another meeting with John Mara and then got fired, right? That might have been one of those things where he's proceeding as normal, right? Uh, trying to come up with like uh, ideas for next season and goes, well, if you guys don't find anybody that you like, maybe you could let me take the reins for a bit, or I can work in conjunction with Kevin Abrams, right? Because that story broke that he wanted to keep Kevin Abrams. Um, you know, maybe I have a little more responsibility during the offseason with, you know, uh, and then in season, Kevin Abrams is handling the player contracts. It could be one of those things where it's a shade of gray, not necessarily, I want full control over everything. Uh, as far as players are concerned, unless somebody comes out and says, yeah, Joe Judge treated me like shit, like the the Kelvin Benjamin thing, which seems more like he had his fucking feelings hurt uh, and was entitled walking into Giants training camp, you know, be careful about that because it's common knowledge that the stars on a team get treated differently than the, you know, guy who just got signed to the practice squad this week. And coach interaction, head coaches are so busy that for those lower end guys, uh, unless they're taking a special shine to you, interaction, direct interactions are very limited. So literally something that breaks tomorrow could be one bad interaction from early in the season or from last year. And then they didn't really get like that one-on-one time anymore after that because it's some practice squad guy or some bottom end roster guy. Uh, it could also be somebody who got let go. I, I don't have a list of, of people who moved on, but, you know, like Dalvin Tomlinson leaving. could have been, you know, that they had a bad interaction near the, uh, was it the end of last season? You know, uh, whereas the rest of the time everything was fine. It could be one of those things too. So unless there's context in there, like just just chill out and try and use your own brain about, what story you're reading, and weigh that against the fact that we haven't really heard anything uh, up until up until these stories inevitably come out. All right, so GM interviews. So right now, uh, as of this recording, there are eight candidates uh, set to be interviewed for the GM position. They range from directors of player personnel to uh, slight assistant GMs. Um, the only one that's been set up, I think, is Joe Schoen, uh, who is the uh, Buffalo Bills assistant general manager. He's a guy that's been around for a long time, uh, one of the longest tenured, uh, in a single place anyway, uh, candidates that the Giants are interviewing. These guys are young. These guys, the common theme you see here, younger guys, I don't think a single one is over 46, guys who moved up quickly or uh, because of their success, or uh, two of them were in one spot in a team that turned it around pretty quickly for a long time. Uh, So guys who have seen how not to do it and how to do it. Uh, I would expect, let's set expectations, I would expect a majority of these interviews to be completed, I would say, in the next week. Um, it's unlike coaches, 
unlike offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, you know, the coaching staff in general, uh, front office personnel are generally able to interview at any time outside of the regular season. Uh, it's the postseason now. Uh, I, I know a lot of us don't remember what that is, but um, there isn't a whole lot. This is the point where front offices are just there. It's a lull for the front office. Uh, playoffs is kind of a lull for them. It, you know, you're still managing. All right, you know, you're getting ahead of contract stuff you got to do for next year. You're getting ahead of uh, scouting, you know, and compiling scouting reports. But even then, that doesn't really kick in, kick up too much until I would say February. Uh, you're you're working on stuff for next year. You're closing out uh, uh, some stuff from this year. You might be doing some player negotiations, but for the guys that uh, are being looked at right now. This is basically the freest time of the year for them, aside from you know March. I'm sorry, aside from uh, really maybe the week and a half that they get off that they give themselves if they take that time off. So there's generally the point I'm trying to make is there's generally no barrier for entry uh, to get these guys in to do interviews, uh, second interviews, third interviews at this point in the year. Aside from a club saying nope, you can't interview him. Uh, and usually what that means, what that points to is either a promotion or a huge pay raise for somebody uh, within the organization. So a GM may be losing their job. Considering uh, who all these teams or who all of these candidates are coming from, you've got the Titans, you've got the Cardinals, you've got the 49ers, you've got the Ravens, uh, really the only candidates that might see some kind of promotion and replace a GM is, I think, what, Quentin Harris, who's the VP of player personnel uh, from the Cardinals. And that's because people have been begging for Steve Kime to go for years now. You know my feelings on Steve Kime. Uh, I think it'd probably be in that organization's best interest to get rid of him. Uh, kind of hard to say that, a little more difficult to say that recently, given recent history, but it still... Uh, he's, he's one of those guys that I think kind of saved his ass when he, uh, said, screw it. We're going to draft, uh, Kyler Murray immediately after having drafted Josh Rosen. Um, my dark horse as it stands day one is probably Rand Carthen. Am I saying that correctly? Rand, Rand Carth, Rand, Rand Carthen, who's the 49ers director of player personnel. Uh, he, he's on the younger side, uh, of, well, I guess he's in the middle of the age range for these candidates. He's, uh, 40. Uh, he's one of those guys that hasn't spent an obscenely long amount of time with any one organization. Uh, he retired, um, from the Detroit Lions in, you know, 2006, Became, excuse me, a uh, scout for the Falcons in 2008. Spent four seasons in Atlanta. Uh, then got hired by the the Rams uh, as their director of player personnel. He was there until 2017 where he was hired uh, by the 49ers. So he hasn't spent more than four or five years with any one club. It's still like 15 seasons worth of, of experience as an executive. Never mind his playing career. Uh you know, he was also a, I believe he was a running back for uh, the Colts. He was an undrafted free agent. Uh, yep, running back and kick returner 
uh, and then a, a year with the uh, half a year with the Lions. So one of those guys had the typical shelf life for a pro player three years, uh, and then retired and became a scout. Uh, he's my dark horse just because he's risen pretty quickly for this industry, but not as I would say quickly as some other personnel, but he's been in a lot of good spots for, uh, uh, he's been in a lot of good spots where things got good really quickly because of the front office. You know, again, the Rams between 08 and 11, uh, I'm sorry, the Falcons between 08 and 11, the Rams between, uh, 2012 to 2016, uh, the 49ers from 2017 up until now. It's, you know, some of the, the hits have been great. Some of the misses have been kind of what we've seen with the Giants where it's like, all right, well, it looked great, but then this happened, you know, injuries. Uh, think Todd Gurley. Um, it was Todd Gurley drafted while he was over there. Uh, some of the misses have been like flat out misses, which will happen. Any GM is going to at their best hit about 500. So, but again, these are teams that either they were there, these candidates were there, uh, before and during a meteoric rise or laid the groundwork. Uh, for success or were there really as to continue that success and that's I think what the Giants are looking for you know they they dip their toe in business as usual by letting Jerry Reese stick around as long as as long as he did they dipped their cho- their toe into trying to revisit you know the good old glory days uh, with uh, Dave Gettleman where they were trying to get back to that Ernie Accorsi type of you know modus operandi uh, and now they're going, all right, it hasn't worked. We need to make changes, significant changes here. Uh, we need to get with the program uh, and get on TikTok. <laughs> you know, one of those, this is what this candidate list signifies to me. And the fact that they're not considering Kevin Abrams at all is a huge, huge just relief. As disappointed as I am for the unfair shake that Joe Judge got, the fact that they're willing to reorient uh, some of their, it looks like reorient some of their beliefs in the way that they do things. Again, just speculation based on this this potential GM list uh, is fantastic news. It tells me one thing I'm going to be keeping an eye out is, you know, it, whenever John Mara comes out and talks to the media, like, I would really like to see the press uh, uh, drill him on so- certain specifics. Like, what kind of flexibility is this GM going to be able to do? Like, put it on the record, not not just in your interviews. Like, are you going to give him free range to change whatever he needs to organizationally? Is, are there, is he going to be expected to keep anybody? Is he going to be expected to keep certain procedures? You know, uh, how invested are you guys going to be in this? Are we looking at a full rebuild? Full on, scrap the roster, start from uh, square one? Or are you guys going to try and improve upon what's already there? Because if we're talking personnel, 
obviously the scouting department needs some changes. Those changes aren't going to be immediate. Scouts, you don't want to fire scouts right before draft season, uh, which starts basically now. Uh, you don't, because then all, all that, that work goes out the window. You know what I mean? Um, all the ongoing work goes out the window. So those changes will probably come after the draft uh, or close to the draft. Uh, player personnel, as far as personnel involved with uh, free agency, players involved or people involved with contract negotiations, those are the changes you're going to uh, see pretty quickly after the new GM is hired. Uh, those need the change. Because uh, as much praise as I have given uh, the Giants for certain contracts, uh, you know, there has been overspending in some spots, especially like the the tier two, tier three players. Uh, and I go back and forth on that, that kind of overspending. Yeah, you want to make sure your backups are legit, but also given what we've seen from our backups, clearly it was an overspend on pretty much everybody, excuse me, on pretty much everybody except Devontae Booker. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you got you, you to gotta reevaluate that. Um, but then again, you know, I think Blake Martinez, that contract was a fucking steal. But you also have to consider, all right, well, aside from COVID, why did we not have enough room? I know we were trying to dump everything into one year, and get over the hump and allow flexibility starting in 2023 to make any necessary changes. But the changes are coming here in 2022, right? So Blake Martinez was a steal. I think Bradbury has lived up to his contract. Um, and I'm probably uh, in the minority on that. Dory Jackson so far has performed up to his contract. Logan Ryan, you can make the argument, hasn't. But at the same time, he is involved in most plays. So, and he's a utilitarian piece. So that's up for debate. Uh, Kyle Rudolph has not, you know, there, there's, you got to look at each individual player. I think, um, you have to keep what you got. You're kind of forced to retain certain people, but at the same time too, I, I really don't want a GM to come in here and just cut all the big con Leonard Williams, I think is in that range to perform somewhere around his contract. Uh, if you add a little buffer for, you know, you had to pay a guy. Uh, but it's just one of those things where if the GM comes in, sees every big number, says technically we won't take a loss on your contract if we cut you today, and then starts gutting the roster, that's that's going to upset me because most of that's going to be on the defense, the one good part of this this team. You know, uh, Riley Dixon, he can fucking go. You know what I mean? That contract is too much, but we're talking about pennies there. So it's one of those where I hope the new GM recognizes that there is talent on here, even if, you know, it might be more than they necessarily would have paid and they're free to make those assessments. I just don't want to see uh, something where someone come in and just completely blow the roster up, given how little back-end talent we actually have on this team. And given how, even if you do that, we're not going to have much flexibility and free agency to make up for it anyway. So it, it would be counterintuitive almost to do that this year. Now, if they want to carry guys over to next year, draft some of their replacements, we're starting a full rebuild. So we're going to draft their replacements now, hopefully have their replacements now, uh, and then blow up those contracts next year. Fine. I think that's probably the best way to go about it. Uh, but I also 
you know, on the other hand, too, to that, uh, I don't want to see someone try to win during the rebuild, like, none of that bullshit, you know, be straight up, like, listen, this roster needs serious work, um, we do have some, con- you know, the, the cap situation this year specifically is not great, so we have to consider, weigh that against the long-term viability of some of these contracts, uh, we're in a rebuild, uh, or if they go, listen, this, this defensive roster is great, but offensively, we got some fucking work to do. Like, New York fans aren't stupid. We know where our issues are, and the issue is on the offensive line. So if a GM comes in here and says, this roster in certain respects is great, and in other respects, meaning the offensive line, I don't expect them to call that out specifically, needs a lot of fucking work, and those areas are going to be an area concentration for us in, in this offseason and during the draft, great. That is just shy of trying to win while rebuilding. That recognizes what the actual weaknesses are. That's the GM being very upfront about what they're going to do here, or at least as upfront as I expect the GM to be uh, publicly. And uh, I hope that's the route that, that that's the type of GM that we get. Uh, but we'll see. I'm going to do a little more research on these guys as they get interviewed, honestly. Um, I don't have a whole lot prepped in terms, I mean, you guys have probably heard it a thousand times by now. I don't pretend to think like, you know, oh, I'm the first one who got a podcast out. Like you guys have heard background information on these guys and you're probably not going to get anything new from me if I start running through all of them right now. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I really hope whoever this new GM does bring some organizational changes as far as the front office is. I think Rand Cawthorn, uh, Carthen, uh, might be that guy to be able to do that uh, for no reason other than like, hey, he seems the unlikeliest candidate to do that. And he's been in plenty of places where making changes, um, at least in those time periods, and uh, kind of rethinking and seeing the kind of, of, of talent that they drafted while he was there uh, makes me think he could be the dark horse. I don't think he's got the, the huge recent success that some of these other candidates do. Again, that that's, again, dark horse. That's the the important uh, differential here, right? Because your Tennessee Titans candidates probably have a leg up in quickest turnaround. Uh, your Buffalo Bills candidates have a leg up on being present for a rebuild that took a long time and finally seemed to click and click hard. Uh, and they've managed to retain a good chunk of their roster. So he knows how to do that. And appeasing a those candidates would know how to uh, uh, appease a uh, despondent fan base like the Buffalo Bills have you know had been for years and really just get them back together, get them showing up, and get them wholly invested because Buffalo Bills fans are some of the nuttiest fans I've seen uh, in a good way, you know, good nutty, not stabby, stabby, nutty like Philly. Uh, so he, those candidates would have those that kind of experience. 49ers, not so much, but then again, the 49ers, you know, since they've given more freedom to their non-GM people to make decisions— have improved quickly. Their biggest impediment has been, you know, Kyle Shanahan not wanting to play rookies, <laughs> you know, and guys getting in his doghouse real easy and it get hard, getting hard to get out of there. So a little bit of everything here, a little bit of, but the common thread is franchises that have turned it around. 
And that's what makes me hopeful for this, you know, whoever the next GM is. And that's pretty much it for me, guys. Uh, thank you for listening to this podcast. Uh, if you love it, you know, uh, at, put a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you know, promote the show. Uh, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and, of course, SoundCloud, where this goes up first. Uh, I'm trying to get this on YouTube uh, video. Um, I don't have video equipment, so I'll probably have to just put some thumbnail in the background while I talk. Uh, you know, uh, if you love this podcast, tell somebody. Think your mother, your brother, your father, sister, husband. Uh, I've said the FedEx driver before. Uh, you know, your fucking barber, the guy who washes your dogs or your cats, you know, or whoever. You know, you're at the park yelling at some kids. Just leave the park immediately after that. Don't 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 be that guy that gets arrested for just a Giants fan podcast. It's the greatest podcast in the universe, bar none. Uh, I really appreciate you guys. Um, I don't ask for much more than just, hey, tell somebody. Uh, listen to the show. Uh, I, but I appreciate you where, where it, it's hard not to feel like we're starting again, but at least we're moving on from a, from a bad relationship. <laughs> um, one, one bad relationship, another one who we didn't give a chance to, a uh, fair chance to. Sorry, my opinion. Anyway, I'll talk to you guys soon.